1: Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, April 5th. If It's a Tuesday. You know what we try to do here on this show. One of your favorite series we put together week in, week out here on the Mini Break Podcast, of course, is a series we call Tennis Point Tuesdays, our weekly updates on all things happening in the tennis equipment world, as well as just a great conversation with our friend from Tennis Point who joins me on the line today. Once again, it is our man Nate, Nate Dog walrith Nate, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you doing today?
2: What's going on, Gruskin? Um, back in the saddle, tennis point Tuesday, our favorite day—at least my favorite day. I guess I can't speak on your behalf there. But um, happy Tuesday! What's going on with you? How are you feeling? I know you got—I I, I see you checking your phone before we started here. You got college tennis? You're—you're you're keeping up in the loop with? Well, Houston, let me be Charleston, Morocco.
1: Oh, uh, it's—it's—it's—it's <laughs> it's busy times here, and I would like to be—I would like to be clear from the get-go. A It is my favorite time of the week. How could I not enjoy hanging out with you, Nate? We always have a good time here on these shows. B, it is a busy Tuesday. We've already had a broadcast here today. I'm recording this, 6.46 p.m. The USC women knocking out Hawaii 4-0 in about two hours, eight minutes in some Tuesday college tennis action. That's how you know we've hit the home stretch of the season, Nate, is that there are now Tuesdays with these matches. And honestly, the fun part about the college tennis world is you can find uh, a college tennis match pretty much any given day of the week if you look hard enough. And so there's always good tennis happening across the country. By the way, don't think I've forgotten. You said give me a week before I start pestering you to give me your top 10 teams in the men's and women's Division One college tennis world. I won't do that today. I'll give you a second week because I should have texted you beforehand that we were going to do that segment. But starting next week, I want Nate Dogg's top 10 teams.
2: A small part of me was like, Ruskin's probably going to not forget that he told me that he's giving me a week. (laughs) So I was semi-prepared, but no, one more week and I'll be locked it in. I'll I'll, I'll have it. uh, I'll have myself in order for the college segment, but no, I'm super excited to to be more involved with college tennis. I actually went down to West Virginia this past weekend and got to watch some uh, Fairmont state versus Edinburgh, good division two tennis. It's just like, it's amazing how deep college tennis is. Like even at the division two level, Especially at the top of the lineups, one through three. I mean, these are solid players. Like uh, they're above ten UTRs. I mean, the tops into 11 UTRs, and it's it was just fun to watch these guys um, battle. And they were nice enough to let me on court get some get, get some good content of these guys. And um, no, super fun to, to be down there and just check out some teams that I don't uh, I'm not very familiar with.
1: Do you know what your UTR would be right now?
2: Uh so I practiced with uh, Fairmont State for the whole weekend, basically. <laughs> okay. They uh the coach they, they had an injury and they were like the coach, he's a great guy. His name's uh Terry. Coach Terry, he was like, mate, I need you to practice with us Friday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm like, dude, I mean, I'm like, dude, they ran me through the gauntlet like I was like, you know, like the whole warm-up, then a double set, then a single set, and then like more drills. I mean, I was absolutely gassed, but uh I did get a couple sets in singles, so that made me feel good. Um, I don't know. I might be I hope I would be pushing. 10, I don't know, 10, 10, 2, 10, 3, 10 4. I don't know. A, I don't play as much anymore.
1: Yeah, but that's all I hope is just, like, please be double digits still. Like, yeah. please don't yeah, be, I, like, a 9. There would be nothing more mortifying than if you're, like, a 9, 6, and you're just like, come on. You're just like, no, I'm not. I'm still a 10. I still got it. Um, Yeah, I should say I'm going down to University of Kentucky next week to – do a little practice, scrimmage, content building thing with myself, Chris Hallioris. We're going to ball a little bit, see if we still got it. I played three hours of tennis this weekend, Nate, and I still can't extend my right arm fully right now. Like, it is just the brutal pain in the elbow. I am wounded right now. My left hip is like, what did you think you were doing? And I should say, in you might hear a slight difference in my microphone quality today if you're listening. Uh, it's because I left my microphone at home in Indianapolis. I'm currently in Michigan visiting my parents. As such, I'm supposed to go to the Michigan practice tomorrow to, again, get some good content, talk to team members, but also hit into the practice. I'm f***ing eight. Like, for lack of a better term, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's going to be an issue tomorrow. I need all of the latest equipment uh, available at Tennis Point. Like, I need you guys to send me all of the – all of the uh, what, what's the term? The casts, all of the, like, the braces. I need it all tomorrow.
2: We, we'll either send it to you. I mean, we'll make that quick shipment. And then in a couple of weeks, the rumor has it that Cracked Rackets is coming to Cincinnati for a live podcast. That is
1: that's, the rumor.
2: That's what I'm hearing from the grapevine. So – Eighteenth uh, or twentieth weekend, I don't know. I, I heard some rumors getting drift getting drifted out. So I know we're excited about that. Having you guys in town will be uh, a lot of fun. So well, we'll we'll make sure we get you guys situated.
1: I know you're eligible for the NFL draft. I feel like we're just your draft party. We're coming in to watch you get celebrated. We'll all celebrate together in the family room. And we'll let you go play uh, for the Cleveland Browns. But no, again, uh, yes, a little bit of that's what we call a tease here in this business. Super producer Daniel Westoff and I, are so excited to be able to head to all, th- you know, head to the tennis point factory i don't think that's the right way to say it. tennis point hq now uh in no. ohio we'll head over there do some live recording and as promised we got to get on the court together nate it's a must we yeah. have to get yeah. on the court we're together. gonna
2: figure out we're, we're gonna have i'm gonna bring a utr official we're gonna have somebody <laughs> uh shout, shout out to reese from utr i met him out in uh, indian wells we're gonna have him come properly rate us hey maybe we'll surprise ourselves when we get to like that 10-7 where like you start getting that respect from those young juniors that's like that's I feel like that's like the the cutoff line. It's like that ten five line. Well, I, I will
1: tell you this. If I'm a 10-7 when we hit Nate, that will be my last hitting session. I will be <laughs> retiring. I will be like, yep, I'm good. Let's go out on top while we still got it. Um, no, with with all of that said, again, very excited to head over uh, to Tennis Point HQ and get to do that in person. Again, all that will come out later this month, and I'm sure some of that content will even come out at the start of May. With all of that said, obviously something we do at the start of every Tennis Point Tuesday episode is, Nate, I want to offer you the opportunity to talk to all of our listeners who certainly if they're listening to a daily podcast very likely either did play or do still play tennis frequently in their lives as such you never know Could you be updating your shoes to just get a little bit more support? That extra half second of speed makes all the difference on the tennis court. What about the racket frame? Is there new technology out there that can ensure you get a little bit more depth, a little bit more spin on your ball? Same with the strings. Same with, look, we all know the saying, look good, feel good, play good. If you don't look good, you're not going to feel good on court, and there's no way you're going to be playing good either. With all that said, Nate Dogg, tell me about the latest and greatest happening at Tennis Point.
2: We'll start off with the te- the, the new official uh, Tennis Point ball, the HTV ball. Uh, it's a, a regular duty. It's a high-quality tournament ball, uh, qualified from the ITF Association. I hit with it not too long ago. It holds up really well, and I think the coolest thing about it is that it comes in a four-pack. So when you're playing doubles, you don't have to have that awkward gap of like, or like that little like, oh, can I get two balls? Like where like your, your opponent or your, your partner gets like pissed because he wants to hit more more serves. And you're tired of netting and chasing balls. So to have two balls a piece, the warm up goes a lot smoother. Check out the HTV balls. I'd also like to shout out Lucky and Love. Uh, great yes. collection. Female apparel is at the top of the line. Uh, all the cool n- newest styles and colorways. They just keep it, uh, keep it popping over there. Nothing's boring. I mean, you can look at the, the, the face of the franchise and Bethany Maddox Sands. Nothing she does on this earth is boring. So she <laughs> is able to show her personality kind of through her line. I think she does a great job in, I know it's a, a very popular um, line for, for the women. And then lastly, just tried out Mizuno, sent some sample shoes of the new Mizuno Wave Exceed Tour 5. Well, uh, You see Lorenzo Sinego rocking it. I thought that shoe was uh, played phenomenal. Yesterday on the court, I got out with it. Super light, feels durable. It's got a ton of cushion, a lot of support. I felt like when I was sliding, I was getting, um, I, my foot wasn't, there wasn't, wasn't a ton of movement or wiggle. And the stability I felt like it was super solid, and so that that shoe launches in I believe a week or two, we'll have it on our site. I know people are excited about that. Mizuno does great stuff, um, so yeah, Lorenzo Sonego will be on. It's like a Miami Dolphins colorway, super slick.
1: I would like to be clear. The only boring thing Bethany Maddox Sands does is come on this podcast far too frequently. And by the way, it's been like it's been like six months since we've had her. So, B dog or Justin, if you guys hear this, spot is open for you. By the way, uh, we need to get Bethany back on the show. So, good call by you. That's a nice reminder here. She is, you know, she's been so no, kind with her time. That's the only thing. You're right, though. I've seen some of the lucky and love designs. I mean. It's on the forefront. If you like some innovation, if you don't want to be wearing those plain Jane clothing, definitely enjoy yourself some lucky and love. I know we talk about this seemingly weekly, but you have the opportunity to change shoes and try different things more than perhaps anyone mm-hmm. out there who isn't invested in tennis. This is why I want to ask you if you can do this quickly. Doctor. Nike, Adidas, Asics. Three oh. different brands of shoes, all highly effective. Probably the most three most frequent seen brands, I would say, out uh, amongst club players, amongst junior players, college players, pro players. I would say those are the three I predominantly see. Would you agree with that assessment? And if you could for us, Nate Dog, could you break down the three shoes and the differences?
2: For sure. Uh, there's, I would say those are unquestionably the three most common shoes you see in the, uh, especially with the juniors and the competitive players as well. Uh, the difference though, that's a, that's a question that's, I get asked, I feel like very frequently is people come in and those are the first three brands that they seem to go to, but obviously supply chain issues. It's like that that it's been a tough, it's been a tough uh, stretch here for the guys that are like size 10 to 12. So I I feel, I feel for you guys. I'm I'm in, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you guys. Um, But let's know all three of these companies have put out some, some top of the line shoes. I feel like the past year or so. And I, I think, in order, my personal opinion, I would rate them as I think Asics is is right now at the top of the game. If especially like when I I would put them with the Gel resolution, the Speed Court FFs, uh, which you see Novak repping, and then the Solution Speeds. I think those three shoes, all very high performance shoes, uh, very durable, very light, comfortable. They fit like a glove. I mean, the cool, the best part about Asics, I would say, is that. Out, out of the box, they fit how they're supposed to fit. I mean, you can trust them from the very second you put them on, lace them up. There's really no break in time. So for me, that's a huge plus. And then as well as just how they feel on the court, there's so much breathability in the ASIC shoe. Uh, they're just very light, which is, I think my biggest thing is I want a shoe that's durable and, and um, I trust with like stability and stuff You know, when I slide them. But for me, like I need it to be light. And I think Asics is able to keep the integrity of the shoe without um, putting too much weight in there. And then I would say with Adidas, uh, my second favorite shoe line, I think with the barricade and the Uber Sonic fours and even the soul court boost, those are just very solid shoes. I mean, you got guys like Zverev, uh, rocking the Ubersonic, you got Siti Pasta and Felix and Corda and Songo rock and Berdasco rocking the, the, uh, barricades. Um, and then you got Felix esteem who's rocked the soul, the soul matches. Um, yeah. So I think, and I think with Adidas, I think typically it's for a wider foot. I think they're very, especially with the barricades, very durable. Um, The Ubersonic is more of the lighter shoe that you're going to see with, you want to keep your foot speed and you're not looking for something that's going to last you the whole, yeah, the whole season. But yeah, sure. I think, I think all, I think you can't go wrong. And then Nike, the Rafa shoe, uh, very durable. It's a tank holding up for the whole season. That's a shoe you want to go through, through war with. And uh, you can trust that thing to hold up for 10 years. It feels like
1: Yeah, that thing's got a half-life. It does, dude. I don't know
2: how it's, that thing's a tank.
1: No, it'll rip. And then it'll actually sew itself back together. It's truly innovative stuff (laughs) from Nike. They're on the forefront. I think, by the way, sorry, go ahead.
2: No, last last note on the shoes guys. If you want a real in-depth analysis of shoes, tennis point, just signed foot doctor, Zach Thomas, Check him out on YouTube. He's got like 40,000 subscribers. He does a tremendous job. He's a legit foot doctor. So he brings a lot more professional uh, takes than I do. He does the whole drill bit test and test these shoes out himself and cuts them in half. So guys, check out his stuff. He will give you the the highest level of of analysis on these shoes, which I think is incredible.
1: He'll give you analytics and analysis. uh, Exactly. Yeah, he'll give you both. I agree. (laughs) No, to your point, by the way. I think you nailed the shoe description. Anecdotally, everything you've said is what you hear about from these shoes. So, for instance, what the layman is saying, the common person, is that the A6 shoe is just the best shoe of the bunch and that it, it's going to feel the most comfortable. It's going to feel the most normal. It's like, you know how we always say one or, you know, plus or minus one standard deviation from the average. Mm-hmm. I would say A6 is your average. Like A6 is your, it's not particularly light but it's not particularly endurable either. It's going to last you a good amount of time while also providing quality performance. I think Mm -hmm. Nike and Adidas are a bit more on the extreme. And to your point, I don't want to trash Adidas because A, I'm happy to give promo code at Adidas, A.L. Gruskin. Like we don't have it yet, but we want to keep that door open for us. Uh, That said, like, I've never liked Adidas shoes. I think they're extraordinarily heavy. Or at least they used to be. Certainly the barricades, right? The barricades the, had yeah, a bad reputation yeah. for just like you're wearing two-pound cylinders on your on your feet.
2: <laughs> yeah. Dude, so the Ubersonic is for you then. Um for yeah. sure. The Ubersonic is that's the version of like the Vapor NXT that you. gotcha, see like he, gotcha. Yeah. So it's like the, the cage four is is basically the barricade. That's the heavy shoe that you're gonna your bigger player's gonna wear. The guy that's the yeah. three 200, like two hundred pounds or two hundred. That's what I'm like i I got. I'm like
1: 175 yeah. when I'm covered in sweat. I can't. I can't move it though. <laughs> I'm like that's not athletic enough for a shoe that heavy. Uh, I, so, yeah. I feel like the, I feel like
2: Asics is kind of like the uh, the Lululemon of, of footwear. That's
1: just, uh, put that. That's the title. Westoff, cut the clip right there. Asics is the Lululemon. There's our title for today's episode. That's freaking money. That's beautifully said. Uh, and then. Look, I'm biased. A Nike is a Nike. You know exactly what you're getting in a Nike product. It's going to feel like it looks, particularly the flashier it is, the the more flashy it'll feel on your foot at the same time. I like it. It's good for me. Um, again, it. I mean, again, yeah, teach their own. Guys. Yeah, t- yeah. T- 100%. I'm a I'm a slave to the brands. Um, yeah, I, again, I think all of these shoes are good. I think there's a lot of good products out there and again, no two people's feet are the same and so obviously sometimes you need a wider set foot, sometimes you do want it a little bit lighter, maybe you are a stronger person who needs a little bit heavier shoe to balance yourself out and provide that stability. Well, there are all of these options available on the website tennis-point.com. Of course, you use that promo code CR15 at checkout. Not only will you get 15% off all sale items, you'll get free two-day shipping on all orders, exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. That's tennis-point, symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, Nate Doug, want to talk a little tennis uh, here on today's show, as we so frequently do. And I want to talk about what we're watching for most closely at this week's 2ATP, 2WTA event. Uh, But before we do that, Final word from you, because I haven't given you this opportunity. Carlito gets the job done. Carlos Alcaraz, youngest Miami Open champion ever. Similarly, Iga Sviantec now has won, I believe, 17 consecutive matches. As she ascends to the world number one, becomes one of, like, five women ever to sweep the Sunshine Double, winning Indian Wells and Miami. Now, you know, Iga's not even 21, you know, legally, she could not go to 11 in downtown Miami to go celebrate her victory, right? Like that would have been unacceptable for her. I'm sure she could have gotten in, but I'm just saying, wouldn't have been legal. At the same time, Carlito, I mean, we saw him doing his little salsa dance in his hotel room, because not only is he not 21, he's not even 19 years old. So like, talk about getting stamped at the door, no matter what, those hands are going to be covered if they try to go anywhere. With that said, Final thoughts on Carlito and Iga to you. Your thoughts on just their sure. run and where you're at following the Sunshine Swing.
2: First off, I think Iga is much more plugged than I am in Miami, so I'm sure she'll have an easier time getting into 11 than we did. <laughs> that was that was an hour and a half wait and then a dip because that was just enough. Um, so, I'm sure when she does turn 21, she'll have an easier time getting in. But no, my final thoughts, I think we talked about on the podcast last time. We were saying, like, what was the bigger story? And it's like, Svantec is now, the sunshine swing was hers. She owned it, dominated, took the reins by the throat, just like ran away with her ranking at number one once the Barty retirement uh, came about. And then Carlos, I mean, what he has been able to do in such a short time, is like, even with all the comparisons and all the hype around, like, is he Rafa? Is he Federer? Is he the next, like, he's just taken it all in stride and handled it so maturely. And he just feels like, like the moment is just not too big for him. It doesn't matter where you put him on this globe. Just put him on a tennis court, clay, hard court, Fill the stands up. Doesn't matter. He's going to just play at a ridiculous level. He's going to problem solve. He's going to maybe start off down, down a break. You're going to be like, Oh, does he have it today? And then he just comes firing back in just electric fashion. And the tennis that he puts out there, it's, it's just it doesn't make sense. It's absurd. I mean, his finesse, but yeah. I, I, you can go on and on with this guy. It's just like the guy is—he's here. He's a top ten player today, probably playing at a higher level than that. I don't—I don't know how this. How, what, where did this guy come from? It's like Juan Carlos for Juan Carlos Ferreira. That whole story goes back to his dad's funeral. Comes back and just the embrace that they had. You could just tell how strong that relationship was, how solid it is, and how much uh, he means to to Carlos. I thought that was amazing, and just a really cool story is the clay court season uh, hits, hits us, and that's another place that Carlos is very comfortable, as well as Shvantec, who she won her first title on, at Roland Garros. So, exciting stuff, 18 and 20 years old.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. First of all, so what you should have known, Nate Dogg, we could have texted with one another. Do you remember J.C. Aragoni's exhibition event in the summer of 2020, pre you know, yeah. prime COVID time? It was yep. held at the house of the owner of 11th. And so, wow. yeah, so huge tennis wow. fan. So for the record, Ega probably was like, "Hey, can I get in?" And they're like, "Yeah, in wow. fact, don't worry about it. It's not an issue." So huge tennis ties. That's actually wow. true story. <laughs> that is, I mean. That's not why you're going to see a bunch of professional tennis players at 11, which is a nightclub <laughs> in Miami that's particularly famous. Some of you may know for its late-night proclivities. Um, but the reason why you see so many pro tennis players there is because the owner is a massive tennis fan. And so just, yeah, so fun fact to all of you. So you should have named-dropped tennis. We'd be like, wait, you're Nate from the Tennis Point commercials? They're always on my YouTube channel. And so uh, he would have let you in. No, I mean – Here's the thing that and I, I did this opening on the show yesterday and I went about forty minutes on solo yesterday, but so frequently we've discussed the generational shifts, right? Uh mm-hmm. it's certainly since Crack Racket's inception in August of twenty seventeen, but I think for tennis fans everywhere, whether it's, you know, with Roger being injured as much as he has been over the past few seasons and certainly Rafa misses the entire back half of last year and Djokovic now out, uh, given the fact that he's not vaccinated and can't play. You know, I think on the women's side, the generational shift has been coming. And certainly it feels like we haven't seen Prime Serena now for at least two full seasons, two and a half full seasons. And you look at the Grand Slam champs, the Osaka's of the world, Bardi's of the world, Kennan's of the world, Rescues and Radakanu's of the world. Certainly they have all come to their prime in the post-Serena prime era, right? And mm-hmm. that they've all won Grand Slams. I feel like as a tennis community, we have accepted the generational shift that's happened on the women's side. And we're pretty prepared for life on tour post Serena, at least in the women's game. This is the first time in men's tennis, and I want to run this by you, because again, I'm, I want to talk about this with everyone we speak to here this week on our crack racket shows. This is the first time where it feels like there is broad consensus. Not a single zig to anyone' zag. About Carlos Alcaraz. No one is out there. I love you, David Gertler, all about tennis blog and tennis blogger one. I love you, Alex Banchilla. I love, you know, you know, the group of people I'm referring to, the zaggers, the naysayers, the people who want to stand out with a slightly off the beaten path off, you know, off grain opinion. Those don't exist about Carlos Alcaraz. It's just like a degree of, I think he's going to win a slam this season. I disagree with you. I think he's going to win two slams this season. I disagree with you. I think he's going to win 10 of the next 15 slams. Like, that is the... Again, consensus. There is never consensus in tennis. I think there's pretty clear consensus about what Iga's accomplished on the women's side, but more so than Medvedev, than Zverev, than Tsitsipas, than Sinner... Everyone is in from player to coach to fan on Carlos Alcaraz.
2: And I think the, the closest thing that I've seen to this in sports, I've seen with this since Rafa was here, is like the comparison for me is like Luka Doncic. It's like, it's like when he was 15.
1: 15- God, you are A6 as the Lululemon and Doncic, Alcaraz. This is why you want to know why this is my favorite day of the week, Nate Dog. Hit me with the comparison. That's great.
2: I think what we saw Luka Doncic at Real Madrid when he was 15, 16 years old playing with grown men and just working these guys, uh, despite, you know, being at a lesser competition than the NBA, it's like you saw it. And, like, it was, like, ridiculous that he didn't get drafted number one because the talent was just on another level. And the way he approached the game, the way he uh, – the, the mentality that he had, the confidence that he had, we see all of this with Carlos Alcaraz. The confidence that he possesses, the belief that he has, that he belongs at the, the highest – uh, stages in this game that with, the, with the most at stake he believes in his stuff like I mean you just have we just haven't seen that in so long and the athleticism matches it the shot making matches it and it's like he's the most surefire thing we've seen uh, in a long time which is I it makes sense I mean there is really no naysayers it's like what can you like what can you honestly knock and feel like you feel good about that being a place that players can target to kind of break up his game plan. Cause it just feels like everything that he wants to do, he's going to be able to impose himself and his game plan is going to work. I mean, kind of like we seen with Doncic, like you can double team this guy, you can throw any defense you want at him. It doesn't matter. He's going to figure it out. He's too smart. He's got too much finesse. He's too skilled. And I see with Carlos, it's just like these guys are going to dominate this sport for a long time. So, I mean, tennis is, uh, I mean, we're, we're in for a long haul of just thrilling tennis because the guy is just, I I I have to watch almost every match he plays. It's just yeah. like you know that it's a walking highlight reel.
1: Mm-hmm. Is he the best watch right now in all of tennis? Like, if a Carlos Alcaraz match is on, and you're a tennis fan, you're watching it, right? I agree with he's, you. Is he's, he the he's number one, the one best, draw?
2: He's one of the best, most polarizing like athletes in the world right now. I mean, yeah. he's 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 gonna take over. Like, it's just a matter of time. I mean, we're gonna see this guy on more magazine cover like cover shoots. He's gonna be on more commercials. Uh, I think this guy's gonna get all the sponsorship deals, and just the way he carries himself, to maturity. Uh, he's just super nice. He's always smiling. Seems like he loves the game, and he's, he's that energy is contagious. And people are gonna want. Everybody's gonna want to get a piece of that. A
1: hundred percent. No, it, it it just gets you thinking, right? Like again, who is a more appealing viewing experience right now than Carlos Alcaraz? Who are you running to your TV to see as a tennis fan more so than him in an important match? I mean, maybe the Federer comeback or if Djokovic is able to play, certainly with how well Nadal was playing in Australia, that felt like appointment viewing. I mean, on the women's side, Barty in Australia was that special, but she's now retired. And, like, with all due respect to Iga, I don't think she generates quite the excitement for some reason that Carlos does, even though Iga is clearly the more accomplished of the two to date. It's fascinating. Again, to your point, I think it leaves tennis in a really fun place. And with that in mind, let's talk about the really fun tennis we're going to get the chance to enjoy this week. And what I want to do is break down each of the four ATP and WTA events we have on our hands this season. Just talk about the things, the storylines we're going to be watching for most closely. Of course, we've already seen some results. And by the way, Nick Kyrgios right now, I know, is serving for the, the match over Mackie McDonald in that third set. Did he get broken? It's over. It's, it's over. over. He took it 6-4 in the third. Over. All right. yeah, There he is. I like it. So that's a live result. Meanwhile, Tommy Paul got the break back in that second set against Peter Gojewicz. So it looks like uh, Tommy going to send that to a second set breaker, the chance to extend that match to a third set. Well, since we brought it up, I guess that's where we're starting. Let's talk about the W, uh, the ATP action Excuse me, happening in Houston. And again, this is one of your rare North American, in particular, United States clay court events that we see before everything ships over to Europe, before we get to Rome, before we get to Madrid, etc. You look at this draw in Houston. As of right now, your favorite, according to our friends at Tennis Abstract, the wind uh, projection to win the event, Riley Opelka. 27.7% chance of winning. Now I'm giving you this metric after Jensen Brooksby's already been eliminated by J.J. Wolf, and boy, what a performance by Wolf to earn that victory, 6-4, 6-4 over Brooksby. We can talk about that in a second. You look beyond Opelka, who's a 27.7% favorite. After that, Fritz 14.8. Isner 12.2, then Tommy Paul, who again is down 7-6, currently 6 all to Peter Gojewicz uh, in that first round match, then it's a drop-off. And again, the fact that it's Opelka, Fritz, and Isner, your three favorites, of course, Michael Moe into the draw as a lucky loser after the number one seed in this event pulls out. That said, this one feels wide open. This is going to be a fun week. What are you watching for most closely?
2: First off, this event looks amazing, and I would love to get that as an event. It looks so much fun. Um, Indoor play
1: is just not frequently a thing. And I know they're trying to play predominantly outdoors, but I believe they have an indoor option here, which is just, like, laughable.
2: Yeah, and the venue looks amazing. What I've seen on social media and stuff, it looks great. Um, What I'm watching for, first off, J.J. Wolf gets his first career ATP Tour win on clay. That's a pretty sick way to do it. Um, I think he last won a match on clay in 2015 at a Futures event. Uh, Opelka, he got his well, legs back under. So
1: can I can I stop you right there because I, that was going to be one of the things I brought up as well. And you look for J.J. Wolf in his career. Yes, in his career, one in one in clay court action. Now, now uh, one in uh, one overall. Here are the two clay court matches he's played in his pro career. Roland Garros qualifying September 2020. He loses to Roberto Marcora 6-4, 6'3. six three. Second ever clay court match. Houston, this year he beats Brooksby four and four. Now let's talk about this for a second because I think when you watch JJ play, certainly, you know all of the success at the indoor challengers in Ohio, and you see those courts, the speed, you know, of the old Ty Tucker Tennis Center, the speed of the new Ty Tucker Tennis Center, certainly as well. I think there's this perception of JJ Wolf as a hard court specialist, and justifiably, given the fact that we really haven't seen him play any non hard court matches. Now, he's taken on a Jensen Brooksby, who has also played fewer than 30 professional clay court matches in his career. This one was fascinating just from a sample size perspective, and there were two big takeaways for me. A, Brooksby as a mover, I think it might be a bit of an issue for him on clay courts, because as well as he anticipates, it's just that much harder to change directions on a clay court. And you saw him struggle with that because B, and this gets to the J.J. Wolf side of the equation, if you think dealing with the heaviness of his forehand is difficult on hard courts— Just try dealing with it on clay courts. I mean, that ball is up on you so quickly, and you're so afraid about the heaviness of that shot because, look, on a clay court, it's just that much harder to get your feet under you. That shot is pushing you back in the court, and now you're on Wolf's terms. And if he hits an unpredictable forehand at you, you're just not going to track it down because that forehand is that heavy, that much more effective here on this surface. The key to me in his match against Brooksby, I thought he served particularly well today. and He's going to have to to continue to serve well to sustain this success. 75%. But, Good night. Yeah, the low center of gravity for Wolf, him as a mover, the heaviness of his ball, his ability to change direction, go down the line on a whim. I kind of like him on clay courts.
2: No, I, the thing with him right now is he's healthy, and he's, yeah. he's able to train like he wants to train. He's trusting his hip where he had surgery and had a, a tough recovery, but now it's like you can just tell he's finally having fun again because he trusts his body. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard him talk about uh, how he's just living in the moment more on the tour and um, trying to be in the moment, and I think it shows in the way he's playing. He's having a ton of fun out there. He's using his energy and getting the crowd involved. It's something that he, it's some it comes easy to him. Getting the crowd behind him is something that he's thrived on, especially in the states, and he feeds off of it. We saw it. I mean, even in Acapulco, which I mean, obviously in Mexico, we saw it in Miami. We saw it in Indian Wells. Um, he, he's just been playing at a high level, and he's playing at a top 100 level without question, probably even closer to a top 50 level. It's like he's taking, he's pushing guys to the limits. It was actually interesting. you know, He lost to Batista Good in a tough match, a guy that Brooksby just took down uh, mm-hmm. not too like, not too much longer uh, a week later. And and those two guys practiced with each other and then draw each other in the first round here. But obviously, I saw Wolf had three breaks of serve, so he must have yeah. been returning pretty well.
1: No, and that was the big thing, too. It just was really hard for Jensen to hurt him. On these courts, And I do wonder with how flat that backhand wing is, and I do think he's got some nice knife on the forehand. I thought that ball kicked through the court fairly well, but again, he's a guy whose game is so predicated on movement, right, and anticipation and on the stretch and making you uncomfortable. He's just a little less fluid on the clay court as a mover yep. right now, and it makes that a little bit more difficult uh, to play that sort of instinctual game that he does. That said, I'm not worried about Jensen Brooks beyond clay, but I am intrigued, I suppose, will be the glass half full away. I, I think
2: because he has a drop shot, a reliable drop shot, he's got... Well, he changes um,
1: direction so well, right. which you figure on clay just makes your opponent's life miserable. And then the physicality element, like, ask Jensen Brooksby, hey, you want to play a two-and-a-half-hour match? He'll sign up for it tomorrow.
2: Yep. Yep. No, he's insane. And I, uh, his competitiveness, He'll he'll be fine. That's not a guy to worry about. He has... Uh, had a lot of match play. Maybe he, his legs didn't quite get back underneath him, but um, no, I expect him to be fine. But huge win for JJ. I'm also looking forward to curious man. What, what a win. Three, I mean, we just said three-set win versus Mackenzie McDonald, a uh, match where you felt like he was on the verge of getting distracted and losing it a little bit after a football issue and stuff. Um, but no, curious always uh, drama, never, never fails to, to, to be close, to, to be nearby. But big win for him on a surface that he hasn't been great on. Uh, I'm interested in the city, what he does in this tournament.
1: No, and shout-out to Blair Henley, who got the scoop from him announcing he is going to play the 2023 French Open because his girlfriend wants to go to Paris. But, like... Okay, that's fine. We'll take the scoop, and we're going to get to see Nick in Paris next year. That's going to be a ton of fun. You know, it's funny. This event is called the U.S. Men's Clay Court Championships, right? Well, it's technically called the Fiaz, Seraphim, uh, and Co. U.S. Men's Clay Court Championship. You look at the field, it is a very American-centric field, and certainly it's hilarious that Christian Green who has all of this clay court success and I believe has won this very event before. I think he beat Kasper Ruud in the final or lost to Kasper Root in that final in Houston. I actually think Green might have lost to Kasper Ruud in that Houston final a few years ago. He's only got a 3.9% chance, according to the Tennis Abstract Singles wow. forecast of winning this event. And that speaks to how poorly he's played of late. Yeah. I also think he's on straight-up upset alert first round. He's playing a Jack Sock who has not, you know, gotten over the hump. He loses to Kasmanovic, 6-4 in Miami. He loses to Tsitsipas, 7-6 in the third in Indian Wells. Loses to Opelka, you know, 6-1 in the third at Delray Beach. Loses to Fritz, 1-4 at Dallas. That said, he has played exceptional tennis if you have used your eyes and actually watched jack sock play over the past few months so yeah that green jack sock match may just be your best match of the week that's fascinating i was crushed that my birthday brother Juan Pablo Varias, knocked out although shout out to Mitchell Kruger for getting a win in a main draw of an ATP 250 and again i still have faith that at some point Mitchell Kruger will dip his toe into the top 100 in his career beyond that Three names for you. Here are my three favorites. Sorry to win the event and then the floor is yours and we can move on. No Alejandro Tabilo, the lefty from Chile, who had an outstanding South American clay court stretch before the Sunshine Swing, who you know made that final in Cordoba, Cordoba, losing three sets to Albert Ramos, loses in the semifinals with Santiago, three sets to Pedro Martinez, loses three sets in Buenos Aires to Pedro Martinez, then makes the final at the Santiago Challenger uh, right after that, losing to Hugo Delian. Point being to low right now, Number 100 in the rankings, reached a career high of number 95 at the end of last month. He's 25 years old this June. Smack dab in the prime of his career, has just cracked the top 100. The lefty, it's honestly Kyrgios-esque with the game style he plays. It's based around the serve, the shot making he produces, but I think he's just a mortal. He's literally a locked in, less flashy Kyrios. It's a very, very fun to watch. Wow. He's dark horse number one, who I think could absolutely win this. So he would be in the number three spot. I think it's a must have week for Christian Gareen, uh, uh Christian Guerin. Like, he, he just has to. We're back on the clay. If you want to stay yep. top 50, he needs wins, and he needs them now. And then yep. the last one is Francis Tiafo, who's got a fascinating match against Marcos Guerrero. And certainly you look for Tiafo, who's over 500 for his career, but I believe 13 and 24 in ATP level matches on clay. Of course, early in his career, he made that first final in Esterol. I feel like he should be better on clay courts than his record indicates. And you look at the draw here, again, given how American-centric it is, given the fact that you have your number one seed withdrawing from the event, given the fact that you look for Francis again, like, Isner, Green, and, you know, Green is different, but Isner, Fritz, Opelka, like, those are the three highest seeds still left in the draw, Are you particularly intimidated by any of those players on clay courts? I would argue the answer is no. And so it's a massive opportunity for Francis this week.
2: And, and as well as Tommy Paul just secured the second set. So that's, yes. that's uh, yeah, we got it. I may Palmer. have, so
1: I'm home this weekend. And uh, just so you know, I was seeing some friends of mine from college who I walk in the door. It's not even like, hey, Alex, it's good to see you or Alex, you look well. It's so what are the bets? What are we doing? <laughs> it's like, give me the bets. Who, who what players should I be watching this week? I'm like, hey, guys. I missed you too, friends. Um, and so, let's just say I may have given out some, oh, to- I may have, the words, if Tommy loses to Peter Gojewitz, I will X, Y, Z for you, um, may have come out of my mouth. And so, yeah, not great, Bob. Not uh, great. Good that he got really, that second I, set.
2: <laughs> I was wondering, I, I, knew, I, I knew it was a little bit more than you just being a big TP guy, um, but No, I think, and then Christian Harrison had to take out his brother to to qualify for the main draw, which is just brutal, man. Do you have a brother,
1: Nate? Yeah, I do. An older
2: brother. So, do do you ever play him?
1: How much older?
2: He is uh, four years older. He's 30, I think he's 30 or 31. No, 31. So, would he have
1: been a senior in high school when you were in eighth grade?
2: Yes, correct.
1: So that's the. So my older brother on was the two grades above me. So we got to play on a high school team together. And like we actually yeah. got the chance to play doubles together, which was freaking sick. And at that point, that he was a sick. senior. I was a sophomore. And so I carried his ass to victory. Uh, I like, <laughs> I, but I was like, but we had a lot of fun together because he, like at that point, kind of knew that I was better than him. And so he let me do my thing. Um, but yeah, like I remember I beat him going into his senior year. He was captain on the team. I was a sophomore, but I lost all this weight, hit puberty, was finally good at tennis, and he came back from a summer trip to Costa Rica. And I Wait, beat were, him. You like were you
2: like curious? Were you like curious? Oh,
1: I'll send you, I was like Jokic. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I sent, and, and I beat him two and two, and I look at him no. when we're done, and I go, Eric, you're never beating me again. And I swear to God, that is the only time our coach had to separate us. And he was like, Alex, just f- run. He's like, just run. Like, you should not have said that. Just start running because I'm going to let him beat your. F-. Like, you should not have said that. And I was like, no, it's oh worth it. I was God. like, I was like, I got to spit my game and talk. Um, yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's where that stood from a brother perspective. Yeah, that was brutal for Christian and Ryan.
2: That's no. And that, but when I saw that matchup, I'm like, good. I feel like I don't know if I've seen this matchup before, but no, I think this is going to be a hell of an event. You got, I think Tiafoe's, a, 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 like you said, a dangerous guy on this. I mean, with Opelkis, if he's serving well, uh, he's got some time off now. I think he's dangerous. And then, I mean, yeah, Fritz, that's not a guy you want to see right now, the way he's been playing with conference, but obviously Clay Court's probably not his specialty, but no Houston, that looks like a great event. I will be there hopefully in the next uh, year or two, because that that looks like something I need to see.
1: I know I've told you my Christian Harrison story, but nothing makes me happier. I was running the bridge on vacation with my family in Sarasota, and i just done this thing on an app that will remain nameless with Christian Harrison. And he's running up the bridge on the far side of me, and I'm running up the other side of the bridge, and we're coming to a crescendo at the top. And I see this guy in the distance who's in outstanding shape. And I'm just like, oh, those are tennis player legs. Like, oh, he's got the six-pack. Maybe this is a college player. And he's inching closer and closer. I'm like oh my God, that's a Harrison. And then I'm like, oh my God, that's Christian Harrison. And so I was like, man. hey man. And he goes, Alex? He's like, what? What? You live in Sarasota? And I was like, no. I was like, I'm just here with fam, whatever. All these different things. Anyways, that was fun. That was a good time for me. There's a story for you, Nate. We can choose whether to leave that in or not. With that said, you ready to move on? You got any final Houston thoughts for me?
2: Nah. It, right. it, it looks like fireworks though, but um, I'm, I'm jealous I'm not down there. I see some people. I, I had some people send me some videos It just looks like a prestigious
1: event. Yeah. Well said. And you know what else looks really good? The renovations in Charleston, which is where I want to go next because we've got two stateside events happening this week. Obviously, the WTA event going down in Charleston has already seen some drama unfold. And I believe they canceled all of Tuesday night's matches because they're afraid they're going to get a tornado and severe weather, all of these different things. Uh, You look at this draw, though, it's it's pretty aesthetically pleasing. I mean, you've got Sabalenka back in action as your number one seed. You've got Bedosa as your number two seed. You've already had Belinda Bencic surviving a three-set thriller to advance over lefty Shi Yu Wong. That was a really fun match. And now, Bencic's going to take on one of the five best stories in women's tennis in Linda Fruvertova, the 16-year-old who I think what we all just saw her do in Miami. Uh, certainly, she is registered on everyone's radar now. You look elsewhere, we've got the return of Carolina Pliskova, the number three seed healthy back in the draw here. You've got the return of Leyla Fernandez as well in a Rabakina in here. You've got an Onjabur-Emma-Navarro round two match that just screams cracked rackets all over it. I mean, JPEG, Jessica Pagula is in the mix here. You've got Amanda Anisimova seated as well. This is an awesome tournament. That's a, no, that's
2: a loaded draw.
1: Right now, By ten, according to Tennis Abstract, not a shock. Paula Bedosa, your favorite, 24.5% chance of winning. Then it's Pliskova, interestingly, at 203 Obviously, that doesn't factor in her injury. Sabalenka, 12.1%. Jabour, 11.5%. After that, things just get funky. What are you watching for most closely here in Charleston?
2: Yeah, like, I mean, Bedosa, to me, uh, just to see if she, how she transitions to the clay courts, to see if, what, what she looks like, if she looks like a contender uh, heading into this um, heavy, I mean, what I just learned today, though, 31% of the tournaments are on clay, which I that was a big number from what I kind of thought. But to see if, what kind of uh, form Bedosa is in,
1: Wait, that, but that's they, an instru- Hold on, I'm doing the math there. That actually feels a little low because – it? Because what, point – 2% of the tournaments are on grass. Like I know it's not actually 0.2%, but it's probably fewer than 10% of right. the tournaments are on grass. And so does that mean over 50% of tournaments are hardcore tournaments?
2: Yeah. That, yeah. I'm not, I didn't check the grass, but I would imagine it's probably like, like you said, under 10% for, for, for grass. So I'm, I'm thinking it's closer to, uh,
1: yeah, 50 or 60 50. for, yeah that's, yeah, 50, cr- that, yeah. that's crazy, but sorry, go it on. Is.
2: no, so, but I would say Bedosa, Leila Fernandez. I, I want to see if she can kind of find the form that we saw her um, have at the end of last season. I think. Um, how do you think clay suits Fernandez's game?
1: I think she. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, that's a really good question. She, the quickness she displays, the balance that she has from a movement perspective. I mean, I believe she's a junior French Open champion, former junior French Open champion, and so. I think it's going to fit her very well. And I think the weapon she has, the creativity she has, if you give her an extra half second, she's just going to make you pay. And, you know, yes, she's really good at taking the ball early on the rise, but she doesn't have a power centric game. She's very crafty, right? Is Mm -hmm. very good and moving the ball around the court and, finding advantages by taking space away, all of those strengths are more pronounced on a clay court mm-hmm. than they would be on a hard court. So very good call by you. I think Fernandez is in for a big week. Uh, the one I'm watching most closely, and again, there are a lot of people certainly to watch closely right now, how healthy is Own Jibour? That's certainly a question all of us want answered. But how about 19-year-old Chinwen Zhang, who knocks yeah. off Sloane Stevens today, Dominant yep. third set performance there, but you look at what the 19-year-old's been able to accomplish over the last 52 weeks, and by the way, October 8th, 2002, I'm October 6th, 95, shout out to the October gang, October's very own, she's 44 and 16, Nate dog. In her last 52 weeks of play, that includes qualifying at the Australian Open, making the second round before getting knocked out by Maria Sakkari. That includes qualifying at Melbourne before the Australian Open, making the semifinals there, losing to Simona Halep. You look for her at Indian Wells. Gets into the draw there, wins her first-round match, loses to Angelique Kerber in three sets. You look for a disappointing loss, certainly, in the Miami round of 128. But overall here in 2022, Chinwen Zhang is 17-6. Seven, uh, and six. Overall, she's reached a new career high of number seventy-two in the rankings. She is, you know, a top one hundred. Uh, excuse me, top seventy-five player in the WTA points race. And she just got the big win over Sloan. And so now, you know, you look for Zhang. Obviously, you knock out the scene in your section. Things start to open up for her. Up next uh, for her, I believe, is Ekaterina Alexandrova. And I don't think EKATs played particularly well. Then would potentially be a third-round matchup against a still-returning-to-form Karolina Pliskova, her second match back. Like, Tell me why the 19-year-old can't have a big week this week.
2: No, yeah, I mean, like, this like we said, tennis continues to get younger. Another another budding star on the on the WTA tour. She's got the firepower, he has the weapons to, to cause real damage. Alex Alexandrova, who had a good season last year, had some solid results. I think that'll be an interesting matchup. Um but yeah, is this is this someone that you is like are you already labeling her as a contender at one of these two uh,
1: Contender? Sure. What? Winner? Like, I mean, so, yeah. so I thought you were about to ask me. That's why I grunted is, is she a future Grand Slam champion? To which I was going to say, I'm not there yet.
0: Right. Is no, she going not... to be in the
1: mix for a yeah. while? Yeah, I like her game a lot. I like the – it's the weapon she has and the fearlessness with which she plays. She's just going down swinging right now. And, again, you can't fake 17-6 mm-hmm. and 6 or 44-16 over the past year confidence, right? And she is just oozing with confidence and that youthful naivete, which when you get that sort of confidence – like, I – Again, I I apologize because I know listeners get angry when I relate it to myself as my tennis game is not nearly applicable nor similar nor comparable to these players. But if you play tennis your entire life, and we're good at it and like or just like stuck with it very likely there was a 6 week stretch at some point in your tennis career where results just started breaking your way where you started playing your best tennis there was some hopefully there was some sort of turnaround and the confidence you got from that you're just like oh i'm not going to lose in anything like i can tell you to me it was second year boys 16s i was finally like comfortable in my own skin i'd grown into my body i was like oh man i'm actually not bad at this sport that's the sort of confidence right now Wen Zhang has where it's just like, oh, I can play at this WTA speed now and I'm not intimidated by anyone.
2: I don't know why it was so hard for me to find her height because I was I thought she looked really tall on TV. Finally, I, I found it. It looks like she's over 6'1". Yeah. Um, So she's at that kind of prototype ideal height that we see at the 100%. top of the game. Great um, call. So, so the size that she has that she, that she possesses to kind of dominate the ball from beyond the baseline cover a lot of court um, as she continues to kind of develop the fun court game that we see that kind of sets uh, people apart in both the men and women's game. I think, like you said, I mean, down the road, I think we can revisit her as a uh, contender at, at the big events because I mean, the, the, the mental is there and that's the biggest thing. If if, if the mentality and the mindset, the, the tennis IQ are there, the weapons are there, it's the the, the, puzzle, the pieces of the puzzle kind of get started to be put together and it's it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous formula
1: thousand percent and then just quickly about the americans here and there are a lot of them ali risk good win over katie mcnally to advance yep. and you know certainly amanda nisimova good first win over sasha vickery she now has yulia putin seva that's a fascinating uh round of 32 matchup you look elsewhere jpeg jessica pecula in the draw lauren davis who had success here last year coco vandeway of course daughter of the tournament owners emma navarro 2021's ncaa women's singles champion current sophomore at the university of virginia who's Killing it in the college ranks. Another wild card. She gets a three-set win over Madison Bringle to set up the matchup against Onjabur. Again, we haven't said a word about Madison Keyes, the but, number nine seed, who's had success no. here before. She is still uh, alive in the draw. Certainly, you've got Claire Liu, another one of those young Americans, former really successful junior, who's sneakily ascended her way into the top 100 and I think is going to be in the mix in the next decade. It's a really fun event in Charleston. Yeah, Na- it always Navarro, is. Yeah, beautifully uh, uh, renovated, too.
2: Take, Navarro taking out a top 60 player while playing college tennis. I mean, college tennis, guys, it is uh, the good for okay. there.
1: Can I give uh, the counterpoint, though? I love Madison Brangle, who's a member of the tribe, and I will always root for my fellow Jews. That said, isn't Madison Brangle like the litmus test of like, she doesn't have a single weapon. It's like if you beat Madison Brangle you belong in the top 100. If you do not, yep, yep. by no means <laughs> do you belong in the top 100. And, like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Madison, but, like, I, all this tells me is that Navarro now has the physicality and the weapons to be like, yeah, Madison Briggle can't hurt me.
2: Who's the litmus test for the men? I need to know.
1: Like, <sighs> Top 100 litmus tests? Yeah, Are is it doing like, this right is it, now? Is oh, it, like, no.
2: like, off the top of my head, is it – Deuce on Lajovic, is that
1: the guy? The deuce? No. The deuce no, isn't consistent solid. enough. He's... He doesn't bring the physicality. He brings the shot-making. Right. Litmus test to me is like Jordan Thompson. Like, that's a Ooh, pretty okay, good okay, one. Okay, where it's like, okay. if you beat Jordan right. Thompson, you should be in the top 100 because there's a physicality and a consistency you bring okay. that's just probably better than everyone else. At the same time, that might be a little strong like for the top 100 Litmus test. Ah... Uh, how about Juan Manuel Serendolo? is he it just a, is Juan Manuel just the female Madison or the male Madison Brangle? Because like is it Yo-
2: it's either him or Yoshi, I actually. No, you the,
1: don't disrespect <laughs> you. No, I'm just kidding. First of all, it's not disrespectful. No. We're saying you are the litmus test of if a player deserves to be top one hundred. No, because Yoshi's got a little more spicy. No, to Yoshi's me. gonna
2: He does. He, he's just getting himself back into where he belongs in that top yeah. seventy
1: range, top eighty range.
2: He's healthy again. I love Yoshi, but um, I just, like, feel bad. I, I don't know. I, I shouldn't feel bad for the guy. He's the top 100 tennis player in the world. <laughs> but it's just, like, I mean, like, I'm jealous of him, I meant to say. But, yeah. damn, I'm just, like, can we just bless him with a weapon for, like, two months? Yeah. Just, like, bless that's him with a big
1: forehand. So, that's so funny. I'm, I'm really <laughs> – <yeah. laughs> sorry. That's good. All right.
2: With that advice. I... I did not feel bad for Yoshi. Though. Yeah, that's that the savage.
1: That's good. That's good. Sorry. Just – uh. I feel bad for Yoshihide Nishioka. <laughs> That's good. All right. With that in mind, final two tournaments I want to talk about, and we'll go a little quicker on these two. We go to the WTA action happening in Bogota next. And last year, this was the breakout event. Uh, 4-1, Tamara Zidanzik, who knocked out uh, in a really fun match. Maria Camila Osorio-Serrano in the final there. Now, no Zidanzik in this draw, but you do get Camila Osorio back in the draw. She's the favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. Oh, excuse me. Second favorite, 26.6%. Your favorite is unseeded Diana Yastremska, who knocked out number four seed Pana Udvardi uh, earlier today. Or did Udvardi retire from this tournament? Unclear to me what exactly happened. No, 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 no. no she, Yastremska she did knock out, five out and Udvardi. One. Yeah, 5-1. Thank you. Um, so, with that said, those are your two significant favorites. And you've got Rebecca Pedersen, 20.7%. Beatrice Haddad Maya, 10.3%. I mean, again, when I look at this draw, not the most... Aesthetically pleasing. I mean, I'm looking at some of the names, some of the storylines. Certainly, Yastremska, with everything happening with her family in Ukraine and everything she's been through the last 52 weeks with the performance-enhancing drug suspension, and yet she's still just you know, not even 22 years old and hits the ball as powerfully as anyone you'll see amongst the young talents in the game. I mean, she's got Sarah Arani next. Like, Yastremska versus Arani, that actually might be appointment television. That is going to be... I
2: think that's... That's the final right there. I think yeah. whoever wins that match wins the event right
1: there. Nah, don't sell Kami short. Camilla Osorio in that semifinal is going to be a nightmare, I think, uh, for any of these players. I mean, do you have a strong Maria or a Miriam Borklund, Bjorklund take? Like, I don't have the strongest. I have a lot I, of strong takes. I don't have no, a strong yeah, one had... about Bjorklund.
2: No, I, I, I do not have that in my pocket right now. but I do like not the in your bag. <laughs> I don't have that one in my bag. Um, you can you can find yeah. I don't have it, but no. I I would say Yastrzemskaya to me is probably the most dangerous. Bjorklund. I mean, yeah. I watched a handful of her. Isn't that that girlfriend? Correct.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Right. I believe so.
2: Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I don't. I mean.
1: No. I no. No. no I think. I think you're correct. I, I mean. I don't think you're correct. You are correct.
2: Okay. So maybe. May, so maybe. Uh, Maybe maybe she finds the title. You know, they got the tennis couple going. Maybe her and Shapov got some good hits in, and and that's my hottest take. Maybe right. Shapov Vol- got her got her rolling.
1: But yeah, I mean again, nah, I- Arena Maria Barra I think is pretty interesting because she's played well of late. But no, nah, it's a pick 'em. I mean, in reality, this is the sort of tournament. You know what Kasparu did last year during the Olympics while everyone was playing that? He was racking up 250 clay titles. That's what Camila Sorio should be doing here in Bogota. This should be another title for her to rack up as she moves closer and closer towards the top uh, 35 and just, again, tries to build some momentum for herself heading into uh, the European clay court season. With that in mind, let's go over to Marrakesh now. Our final tournament for us to discuss your number one seed is Felix Oshir Aliassim, who earned a victory earlier today over Elliott. Ben Chitri, Uh, you look elsewhere, your number two seed, Dan Evans, already knocked out, although not an upset, as oddsmakers had him uh, scheduled to lose to Pablo Andahar, the clay court specialist, a 4-2 victory over Dan Evans. You look elsewhere, seeds knocked out already. Albert Ramos, 6-1 loss. How big of an upset was it to Lorenzo Musetti, the young Italian, back on his preferred surface, Big result for him to kick off the clay court season. You also had a loss from number seven seed Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. The match was inevitably going to be a pickup, and it was. He loses 6 4 in the third to the always tough on a clay court out Federico Coria. I mean, you look elsewhere, some guys who have had a ton of success at the challenger level, Alex Molcan, Carlos Taberner, uh, they're all in this draw. Camille, my check, the Polish players had so much success here in the first third of the season. He certainly got an opportunity in this draw. I mean... Elsewhere, Yuri Lachetska, one of the young Czechs who we've been watching closely. He's knocked out by Laszlo Jure. Of course, Jure, always a tough out on the clay. Again, according to Tennis Abstract, Felix, 19.3% favorite to capture the title. After that, it's Talon Greekspoor who won... Just about every challenger title you could win last season, 14%. After those two, Laszlo Giray, 9.2%. David Goffin, 78 Then Lorenzo Musetti, 6.1%. Ah. So, yep. again, from a name perspective, feels like this is Felix's to lose. But, again, we're on yep. play courts here. There are a bunch of tough outs. Well, you he's, got, yeah.
2: he's got a potential rematch with Botic, uh, who, who got him in Indian Wells. That that can be an exciting matchup. Musetti is probably just, He's, feel, he's feeling great to be back on the clay court uh, after he's kind of tumbling down the stretch on, on, on the hard court swing 100%. in the States. So I'm sure he's excited to get his feet on some on some red brick. Um, I was surprised that Marco Caccinato lost. That's a guy that's been very steady on clay courts. You feel like for him to stay in the top 100, he needed to kind of win that and find some momentum early in this clay court season. Uh, not able to get away with a first-round win there. Um, Falkina t- t- takes an L there, I, which I felt like it was a bigger upset um when I looked at it but I guess they're closer in ranking than I thought um no I think Felix is Gasquet that's another guy that's dangerous on on the clay I think that's just a guy I'm always going to tune in wherever Gasquet is especially just as he comes down the uh the final stretch of his career but no like you said Felix I was really a team has to be the heavy favorite um in in this one
1: yeah I again it's going to be a really fun week of play you know Alex Mulcan is very, and Vic Capriva are very much, and honestly, bernabe Zapata Morales are all challenger superstars, and they've all been playing great clay court uh, action, certainly, but, um, you know, again, it's going to be interesting to see uh, where things break down in this draw. Keep an eye on Greek Spore. This feels like a massive opportunity for him to make a run yeah. at an ATP level event. And again, for those of you who are unaware, talent Greek Spore last year, let's see, of his 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 challenger titles, 9 challenger titles, excuse me, uh, no, no, 8, 2, 4, 6, yeah, 8 challenger titles he won last season, 6 of them were on clay courts. So, yeah. Yeah. Keep an eye out on Greek Spore, who's just got the sort of twitchiness you need uh, to have success on the ATP Tour in the modern game. But with all that said, that's your action happening this week on the ATP and WTA Tour. We've got four events again, Houston, Charleston, Bogota, Marrakesh. Any final thoughts on everything before we rock out of here, well, Nate?
2: The only thing I forgot about is your favorite doubles team, Jack Sock, Nick Kyrgios, are back in action together. That's uh, always popcorn, so... Can't wait to see what those dudes do in Houston. I know they'll have a lot of fun with those fans down there.
1: Yeah, no, again, it's going to be a really fun week of action, I think, across the board. So, and, and John with- Isner, is, is
2: John Isner just going to smoothly transition from a top 30 singles player for a decade and just go into the top five doubles player in tennis, or what?
1: It's really up to him, right? It's like, hey, look, you're always going to be seven feet. Like, that is one of those <laughs> things to where it's like, you don't have to worry about any physical depreciation. Like, you're always going to be hitting down on the ball. And, like... In doubles, it's four steps. How long do you think yeah. you can move four steps? That's the question. And guess what? When you're winning Indian Wells and winning Miami, it's worthwhile to, to do that. And if you're if he's going to be a top 15, 10, 20 doubles player who can play all the big events whenever he wants, I could see him lingering. If it uh, becomes a stretch... Like, John Isner will never play a Challenger event again. I think we can lock that in right yeah. now. Unless right. he is, like, yeah. hosting the Atlanta Challenger... Six yeah. years from now, and he's playing as, like, a wild card, guest spot, whatever. He wouldn't do that in ch- – he wouldn't play challenger doubles. No. But he's not going to have to because he's got a doubles by in point on, on his resume.
2: And, and I loved how him and Hercats just seemed to have fun with each other in, in Miami. hundred percent. That was, that was amazing. I think, you know, that's like 14 feet of uh, net coverage. So yeah. that's, that's a lot to pass We'll right go there. full
1: circle here. Do you know who quietly gets into 11 whenever he wants? Ooh. 2021 um, Miami Open champion, the <laughs> Hurcats, a native of Miami, lives down well, there. Uh, uh, yeah, down there. Uh, yeah. I mean, you saw the uh, hoopy yeah, yeah. car. He, uh, oh, I've told you this story before. Last one for that JC the event, McLaren. yeah, for that JC event. That actually, the the yeah, well, him and head coach Craig Boyton, CB, it's yeah. it's Saturday morning. a.m., Westoff and I decide to make life easier because they asked us, like, hey, can you guys walk to the site instead of drive there? Because we had a car issue on day one. It was like, yeah, no problem. We're walking to the site. It's 8.30. We're carrying all this gear. I'm schwitzing like a chaser. Like, I just look like a mess at 8.30 (laughs) a.m. And you see this this BMW just blitzing by, or McLaren, whatever it is, the car that Hoobie has, just blitzing by. And I'm like, I think that's and then all of a sudden, these two guys wave at us. And I go, Westoff, <laughs> Hubie Hurkhouts just said hello to us. I was like, this is awesome. Uh, and so that's my final. No hoopla. way. Yeah. It's that's CD, legendary. It's because we spent. a legend then. Yeah. Two great guys. Two seriously great guys. Craig so, Boy's yeah.
2: I-, I love watching those two uh, on the practice court playing against Pablo Crenabusta and in Indian Wells. And uh, Pablo was just torching Hubie. And Hubie's just trying all types of nonsense shots and just. Missing, mis- missing miserably, and Craig Boyden's just like, "Cb," and he's like, "What, coach?" And he's like, "You fall off the mountain, my guy." He's like, "Let me know when you're to come back, and I'll come back and coach you." And I was just dying. Like, her coach was like, "I'm fine, coach. I'm fine." I was like, "Oh, it's so good."
1: Yeah, that CB is,
2: is a special no. One. They, CB's
1: they- hilarious. He's just like, "Look, do we want?" He's like, "I don't need to. You want to go golf today? Like, that's fine with me if that's what you'd prefer. But if we're gonna be here, we might as well do the tennis <laughs> right. thing." Yeah, and so... I got last, last,
2: yeah. We, we need to finish it. Last question on the pod. You got to pick one coach to travel around the world with you. Who are you taking?
1: I can't answer this question because there are too many college coaches who listen Not, to this who would be furious with me that I didn't say them.
2: <laughs> you, hey, you got... Only only poor coaches... Only the tour coaches that that are that are tra- that are are currently traveling. Because my w- answer was
1: going to be, and I was going to say sorry to everyone, but it's Rodidi. because I'm 100% sure Ten. not only can we do the tennis not stuff, but idea. I know we're partying together. Like, I wouldn't feel – maybe this is offering a look behind the scenes. I wouldn't feel awkward if after a tough loss I was like, hey, Roditi, do you want to get wasted? Because I feel like he'd be like, yeah, for <laughs> sure, we're going to get <laughs> wasted. Versus like – I love you, Michael Woodson, but I wouldn't want to be embarrassed around you. <laughs> like I, I feel no shame, uh, doing that with DD. anyways, pro coach. Ooh, it's hmm. a really good question. I mean, there's a lot of good ones. Can I ask Caroline Wozniacki to coach me? Is that like an option? Is she on the table? Is she available? Um, I don't know if you, That's, I'm, I'm just trying to think someone who will keep me in check. Um, yeah, honestly, CB is on the short list.
2: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was going with. Yeah, I was, yeah, like, do you, I was gonna say is that your answer? My list.
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a good answer. It's not Patrick Moore, I, think so, man. I <laughs> can tell you that it is not Mr. Patrick Motalu. It is not him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's a-
2: Oh, good stuff. Yeah. Anyway,
1: with no. all of that said, Nate Dog, yeah, uh, it should be a really fun week of tennis. And again, well, for our listeners who are curious, because I know you talked about some of this stuff on your own podcast, and you guys are busy keeping everyone up to date on all things tennis. Point: What are you up to? Where should our listeners follow everything?
2: Appreciate it. No, check out Pure Tennis Podcast. Uh, we're working hard on it, getting um, getting it up and running. And now it's it's uh it's just been fun to to kind of get more of our gear and equipment talked about, discussed, reviewed. We're going to take take it to the next step. We can get, get video up here soon. Get Gruskin on. I know I've been saying it, but uh, we, we had some some trouble with uh, the Wi-Fi connection, but now we're back in place, ready to run. Yeah. Check us out on TikTok. We're posting a lot of these college matches and just fun point plays. Somehow these people let us, they trust us to get on court and capture the content. So we're thrilled about that. Hopefully that uh, we can we can get more of this stuff up there as we travel to these tournaments, IG, Tennis Point, USA. Um, but, yeah, I know we'll we um, – yeah, we, we also – we really do need to do one of these giveaways uh, with, with Cracked Rackets. That's, that's how my short – so when you guys come in town in a couple of weeks, we will uh, mock that up and, and have that for the fans.
1: Yeah, I'm all in on that, and again, you know I always enjoy the opportunity to get the chance to speak with you, and we are very much looking forward to Yeah, we'll just do it when we're in person. We'll double up. It'll be a double yep, yep. You know, mini break, uh, Pure Tennis Podcast episode, and we'll have some fun Hell with yeah. it. We'll get on court, do all of those things. Of course, it'll still be a Super Producer Daniel Westhoff product on the ones and twos, and who, mm-hmm. as always, has a of an adding job to do day in day out and again you've heard us talk about it all uh, show long here for the latest and greatest equipment in the tennis world head on over to our friend at tennis points website tennis-point.com use that promo code cr15 at checkout with all of that said for the fantastic nate Walrath, our super producer daniel westoff our friends at tennis point from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin nate Doug, what do we tell all of our listeners that's the break and we will see you all next week thank you as always my friend
2: yes sir appreciate it always good